Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. <laughs> Everybody and welcome to Sawbones, a barrel tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host Justin McElroy, and I'm Sydney McElroy. Uh, it's Max Fun Drive this uh, week in two weeks, I guess. These, these next couple of episodes. That's right, Justin. Uh, and we feel like we're dying. Yeah. So Justin and I are pretty sick. Uh, and we feel like we're dying. We basically what we want the point we want to get across to you before we start this episode is that we're heroes. Every hole, every hole. You're just gonna say that. Just gonna leave that. Every hole there. Every hole's a war zone here at Sawbones this week. Our daughter got a GI bug last week, and it was it's hard as any parent knows seeing your poor little baby sick. There, there's an added level to it though because that, that's hard and of course she's fine don't worry but but knowing as you watch it happen mm-hmm. that by the time you've already figured out like oh that diarrhea wasn't just because i gave her just a little bit of fruit juice yesterday it, yeah it's, it's like because serious. also uh time change but you just know like it's too late yeah it's, it's too, too late. late you have it like it's in you it's it's brewing it's coming and the it ta- came the, oh it came it came it's coming time change also, also boil water advisory for two freaking days. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Where we live right now, we can't, we couldn't even, well, now it's just now lifted, but we couldn't drink the water. We couldn't bathe. I did it anyway because I feel gross. Yeah. So wait. I hope I don't, I hope I'm okay from that. Man, ooh, maybe I'll get superpowers. Maybe. I don't think, nah, you're a scientist. You should, you should I'm like off that. my game today. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> I think that's fair. Um, So this is Max Fun Drive. If you've never listened to one of these before, uh, we do this every year. We're part of a network called Maximum Fun, and every year we come to you and ask you uh, f- to kick in a few bucks if you enjoy the show. Um, we have uh, just like any other pledge drive. You know, we have gifts to offer you if you're able to to kick in certain amounts of money, and uh, we're gonna tell you a lot about that. But for right now, you know, if you've heard enough, if you say yes, I want to support Sawbones. I like Sawbones a lot. Um, you know, you tip a bartender, you tip uh, p- folks. You know, kick kick your a cow. You tip a cow. You tip a cow. Nah, say, uh, okay, don't tip different. a cow. Don't tip a cow. Tip That's a rude. Cow. That's mean. Uh, so tip us. Uh, Maximum Fund. And uh, <laughs> of course, more importantly, network of great shows at Maximum Fund. So go to MaximumFund.org forward slash donate and uh, pledge a few bucks. You, I tell you what. I'll tell you this much. I'll give you a little hint about the gifts. You pledge $5 a month. Just 5 bucks a month. You are going to unlock a hidden world of bonus content. Hours upon hours, nay, days of bonus episodes of all the Max Fun shows 
that uh, were just recorded for donors. There's videos on there. Our very special episode this year is a ASMR episode, and if you don't know what that is, you got to listen, that I researched that features a binaural holophonic audio holophonic audio a virtual doctor's office visit with Sydney McElroy at the end. It's awesome. And I think I hide my discomfort with the whole thing really well. <laughs> Maximumfund.org forward slash donate is the address to do that. Please go pledge right now. But first, we're doing something kind of different this week, Sid. We are. Yeah. Uh, we decided this week that, you know, we wanted to mix it up a little bit for the Max Fund Drive, do something a little more exciting, maybe a little more interactive. Uh, so Maybe we... something that didn't require as much <laughs> diarrhea interrupted research, I would say. It's fair. I'm not going to admit to that. It's just, it's been a rough, rough few days, guys. Been a rough few days, guys. Huh. So we thought. Every hole. Every hole's a war zone. So Justin asks me a lot of kind of random, I wouldn't even say medical questions, sort of just science or gross or body related questions, Mm -hmm. kind of just weird. Is this normal? Does this happen? Why does this happen? Kind of questions a lot. And I thought, I bet a lot of our listeners have similar questions, just kind of weird. Again, this is not medical advice that I'm giving. Make that super clear. I'm not. Not, We say this at the beginning, we want to double emphasize for this one. Nothing Sydney says during this episode is medical advice. No, I, I'm opinion, not diagnosing you. I am not treating you. I, I all I'm hoping to do is maybe reassure you about some weird things that are pretty normal, uh, or answer some gross questions. Just if you're, you know, that you just wanted to know about that kind of thing. So if you're ever really concerned about something, please. Go see a doctor. Don't be silly. Go, go see a doctor. Don't listen to a podcast. What are you doing? Go see a doctor after so, you listen to our podcast. Uh, so we have uh, some questions. The first one comes in from Toby, who asks, does the PB dance work? Does it effectively suppress the urge to go urinate? Is testing this ethical? Now, to be fair, I'm going to make a blanket statement about the PP dance without having seen Toby's specific PP dance. Right. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's, you're asking me to do a little bit of a higher wire act. Like, I don't know, maybe your PP dance is wrong. Mm-hmm. Maybe there are different varieties of PP dances. Mm-hmm. Um, for those who are not familiar with the PP dance, you know, it's when you have to PP. And you just dance so around. You, you kind of cross your legs and cover your crotch and you dance around. Mm-hmm. I would say this, whether or not the PP dance is effective, it should not be employed. Why is that? Because if you have to go potty. Stop and go right away. That's what Daniel Tiger says. <laughs> that is what he says. He sings, actually. If you have to go, body, stop and go right away. Then oh flush God, and wash and, and be on your way. way. Yeah. Oh, harmonies. Really, really <laughs> atrocious. Uh, no, but that's Every actually hole. great advice because it's not good for you to hold it. And I'm not saying just pee freely. I'm not saying just like... You're sitting there at your desk at work or in your, at your desk in class or whatever you're doing, even on your own couch, because somebody has to clean that. And you just think, ah, I got to pee. I, Sydney told me not to hold it. <sighs> Relief. Sydney, are you... I'm not saying I that. I understand that we did not <laughs> say this was medical advice or opinion, but are you literally <laughs> taking time out of our listeners' life minutes to tell them not to pee pants? Is that where I don't know. Is that what we've been I just have to, to be really careful. I'm not endorsing pee pants. Okay, got it. I'm so, just saying 
Don't do the pee pee dance. Go pee. Go pee. It's not good for you to hold it. It's never. We tell that to our kids, and it's true as adults. It's not good for you to hold it. Go pee. Uh, got a question from Rachel. Do I have terrible guts because I took too many antibiotics as a kid for ear infections? That's a good question, and that's actually I, th- I think we're we're going into a little more some some real actual medical territory. So a lot of people worry about antibiotics and about taking too many antibiotics and our exposure to antibiotics through food and all that, which is a good thing that we're more concerned about it than we used to be, because certainly the overuse of antibiotics can lead to resistant bacteria, so big bad bugs that aren't killed by a lot of antibiotics, and it it also you know you've got good bacteria in your body. Yeah, Did you don't you know want that? to wipe all those out. Exactly. Yeah, probiotics, right? Right, right. So there, there are good, there are good bacteria. There are bad bacteria. You're actually, and I think I've said this before on the show, but it still it bears repeating. You are more bacteria than human. Ugh. Yes, there are more bacterial cells and human cells in your body, and you have to nurture those good bacteria. So if you do take a lot of antibiotics, or even just one really strong one, you might wipe out some of those good bacteria, which kind of throws off your the balance of what we would call your flora, your bacterial right. flora, and can mess up your gutty works. So I would say that from doing that as a kid, is it still affecting you as an adult? Probably not so much. Um I, I in most cases that would be that would be the truth. It's still a good reminder that if you do take antibiotics, eat yogurt if you can. Yeah, that's a good idea. Activia, like Jamie says, any yogurt or mainly Activia. I mean, there's one that's scientifically proven to help Jamie Lee Curtis poop, or just any yogurt. Yeah, any yogurt with live active cultures. Like Activia is a good example of that. You could also consider taking probiotics, but if you're going to take a medication, I would talk to talk to a doctor about that first. But definitely, if you want to try eating some more yogurt, I wouldn't worry so much about antibiotics in the past. I would empower yourself to judiciously use antibiotics talk to your doctor about antibiotics in the future that's what i would say um this is a question from peace tubes who asks <laughs> does that blood bag thing from mad max really work now sydney i know you have not uh seen mad max fury road no uh, I, I don't only really saw intend the... to it looks very loud yeah i only saw it the one time split up over like six viewings uh, so I don't remember it super good, mm-hmm. but, uh, what I do remember was it's like a post-apocalyptic thing. Right. So, uh, there's, ra- there's a lot of sand and a lot of metal. It looked like from the shots during the Oscars. Yeah, that's true. That's, those are both prominent features and a lot of, uh, guitars that shoot fire. Oh, okay. Um, and there are, uh, some of the soldiers there have, uh, what is, seems to be some version of radiation sickness. Okay. And they have uh, people that they use as, quote, blood bags. That's what Mad Max is for at the beginning of the film, um, basically to harvest healthy blood out of and into them. Um, George Miller, who okay. created the film, is also a doctor from what I understand. So it was probably based on uh, 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 some some similar treatments or I mean, he might have some idea of what's going on here, what this could be. Uh, with regards to treating radiation sickness, but that's the deal there. Okay, so are could blood bags be a thing? Is what you're asking me? Yes. You know that actually makes some sense. It, it shows that the author is a doctor because in radiation sickness, one of the things that can be affected if you have enough radiation exposure. I mean, because a lot of it depends on how much you get. You know how much you're exposed to. It can affect your bone marrow, and mm-hmm. of course, your bone marrow helps produce blood cells. Okay. So if it does affect your blo- your bone marrow, then you're not going to be continuing to make 
blood cells and we can use like certain things to certain medications can increase your numbers of white blood cells but uh, with red blood cells often we just have to give you a transfusion if you really need them mm -hmm. so giving somebody a transfusion could be necessary as treatment for the radiation sickness for sure so it's not like completely completely out of control no it's not out of control I would worry about I mean, there's more to it, like severe radiation sickness. Depending on how much you're exposed to, you may only have a couple days to live. And I'm assuming the movie doesn't address that. No, they, they are treated as half-lives. Like, they only have sort of like half-life expectancy of most people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, that's uh, it's not exactly radiation sickness, but like, I, I think it's more something that, that they've kind of adjusted to, I think. They're the war boys, uh, which is kind of, I, 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 again... I mean, the Broken idea up over of having six viewings. I have, I have a, a year and a half old. Okay, I don't really watch movies. Well, the idea of if you are in in some sort of um, battling scenario of having someone who is available to give blood transfusions is not like a crazy thought anyway. If you're going to be losing blood, I'm assuming he'd have to be O negative, because that's the universal donor type. You mean Mad Maximilian? Yes. Yeah. Um, because then everybody could get. Otherwise, you'd have to like type everybody and then match up like you would i guess create your little units based on your blood type yeah i'm not i'm assuming there's not like a lot of like filing and documentation and registries here it doesn't look like it again <coughs> from the few seconds that i've seen of it like at the oscars right other than that though i really have no reference for this um i wouldn't <clears throat> advise doing that to your friends no they won't appreciate that no just cut it out, okay? No, donate blood, though. Donate blood if you can. You Do should you should consider donating blood so that then we'll never be in a situation like that. How about that? I have two quickies uh, before we talk about the pledge drive. First comes from uh, my brother, Travis McElroy, who asks, Does popping your knuckles cause arthritis? Did every adult lie to me when I was a child? No, and apparently yes. <laughs> yeah, no? Nothing? No, no question? No, it's not going to give you arthritis. Brittany asks, can you really go into shock if you see your own eyeball pop out of its socket? <laughs> <laughs> I do not know where Brittany got this. I, this is not this is not a popular myth that I've heard. Not before. that I'm aware of, but maybe um, it maybe it's some reference to a piece of culture that we have not ingested. I will say this if you're well, I mean, what about that scene in uh, what was that in Hostel? Pretty Woman? <laughs> no, Hostel is much more likely. <laughs> Where the girl's eyeball pops out of her socket. That yeah. whole scene is very unrealistic. And she's sort of in a kind of shock. I, here's what I would say. Whatever has caused your eyeball to pop out of his socket mm -hmm. may be the thing that induces the shock. Mm -hmm. At that point, shock is only just one on your list of problems. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, because of the eyeball. Because your eyeball has popped out of its socket. Although shock certainly is a dangerous situation. Um, yeah. I would say that's fine. That it could cause sure, sure. sure. Either way, avoid avoid having your eyeball pop out of its socket. <laughs> you, I know what you're thinking. Man, I wish I could pay money for this content. Well, the good news <laughs> is you can. It's Max Max Fun Drive uh, time once again. We come to you once a year to ask you to help us fund the network. We're part of a big podcasting family, uh, and your donations to uh, uh, Max Fun are what help keep the doors open and the lights on. Um, now. A lot of people wonder, am I just giving money to a faceless organization? No. First off, we can vouch for most of the people in it. They're a pretty fine group of people. Moreover, when you uh, pledge your money, you say what shows you listen to. And the shows that you listen to get the majority of your donations. So it is going directly where you uh, uh, want it to go. Um, 
every time you listen, you'll feel great. You won't feel like a moocher. There's another benefit. You'll feel like, <laughs> hey, I, I, I really made a difference here. Uh, we got a goal of 5,000 new and upgrading members, uh, and we have some uh, this year, and we have challenge donors who are going to kick in money every time you are a new or um, upgrading donor. Now, if you are a new or upgrading donor, you are going to get some gifts for, for doing so. And uh, Sydney, my uh, uh, beautiful and talented and brilliant wife, is going to tell you about some of those gifts right now. We already talked about $5. Sydney, if I pledge $10 a month to Maximum Fund, uh, what am I going to get? Well, if you pledge $10 a month, you're going to get a beautiful, exclusive Max Fund bandana. Uh, it is, again, exclusive to the Max Fund drive. It, there are 22 different designs, each one based on one of our shows. Uh, so you can browse through them, see which one you like best. Uh, you know, the Sawbones one is quite attractive, I will say. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all original designs by Megan Lincott. They're gorgeous, and you can pick whichever one you want. And again, exclusive to this drive. For ten dollars uh, a month. What about twenty five dollars a month, or twenty? Sorry, twenty dollars a month. Twenty twenty. At twenty dollars a month, Justin, uh, you can get the Max Fun Adventure Necessity Collection, and that includes several things: a multi tool, a hot chocolate packet, a paracord bracelet, and some camping toilet paper, which I find very practical and useful. Now, do I get the bandana too? Yes, you get Whoa. all that. You get the bandana, and you get the bonus content. Whoa. Okay. If I can do thirty five dollars, be a real hero, a real mensch. If you can do $35 a month, you get a Max Fun vacuum thermos with a travel tumbler. It's very attractive. It's very nice. I am sure you will enjoy it. In addition to the Max Fun Adventure Necessity collection and the Max Fun Drive exclusive bandana and all the bonus content we already discussed. There's a uh, there's a secret level too that isn't widely publicized, but you can donate at fifty dollars a month and join the secret Blondie Brigade. And you're not going to hear about this everywhere, but if you kick in fifty dollars a month, uh, Jesse Thorne, head of Maximum Fun, will bake you blondies and send them to your home. This I is didn't true. know that. Uh, in addition to all the other stuff, you didn't wow. hear it from me though. Shh, it's a secret, secret. Donor Does he level. bake good blondies? No, that's the thing. They're poisonous garbage. <laughs> no, they're good. I'm sure they're delicious. I I haven't pledged at that level know. yet. I'm sorely tempted though just to get in it. Um, so you want to donate. I understand. We so, so, so appreciate it. Um, it, it's amazing and it means so much to us. And it's the reason that like it has allowed me and our family to expand and keep doing other shows and make it make sense for us. You know, just this year, um, it, it, Sydney was able to cut back a little bit at work and spend more time with Charlie and start a new podcast with her sister, um, largely because of donors like you. Um, and that, and it means so much to us. Uh, so if you can, uh, please go to maximumfund.org and uh, click on donate or just go to maximumfund.org forward slash donate and uh, do it now before you forget because, you know, uh, we all, we all you know, have things that slip our mind. So please, a few bucks, whatever, 35 bucks, 100 bucks, 200 bucks, whatever you can do, a secret $50 pledge, um, one little $5, I shouldn't say little cause you know, it, it, it means the world to us, but a $5 monthly donation is really, it really helps out a lot. So please maximumfund.org forward slash donate. And I, uh, Sydney, I have another question for you, Yes. but I must warn you listeners at home. This, uh, is a question of a genital nature. Oh, okay. so if you'd like to skip ahead a few minutes, uh, it will not hurt our feelings. Um, this comes from anonymous who asks, I'm a uncircumcised male that's foreskin is still attached to the end of my penis. I've heard from other guys. There's came detached naturally or through use. 
Mm-hmm. The this person uses quotes there as they've chosen this moment to become demure. Uh, <laughs> I have always assumed that the part that attached my foreskin to the head of my penis broke, I'd bleed out and die. Am I weird, or are the self detachers the odd ones? So let me let me reassure you first. You're not weird. Your friends aren't weird. You're all fine. Nobody's penis is weird. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody's penis is weird. Uh, these are all fine situations. It is it is normal, yes. Uh, it is common, I should say. We should, let's not use the word normal. Let's say it's common. Typical. Typical for uh, for the foreskin to detach somewhat from the tip of the penis. Uh, there's a little teeny uh, strip of skin there called the frenulum. And over time, again, just from um, washing from pulling back the foreskin to wash or stretching the foreskin or from masturbation or sexual activity, the foreskin getting pulled back, that frenulum can stretch and can tear over time. You will not bleed. Uh, It's usually just a natural thing that happens to men, but it might not. And that's okay too. The only thing that you need to be concerned about is that the foreskin is not uncomfortable for you, that you're Mm -hmm. not, you don't have pain, that you're not trying to retract the foreskin and it's very painful and it's too tight and you can't. In those situations, it can be dangerous. But honestly, um, there's a, there's a lot of these questions. I found that there's a lot of uh, questions about this out there on the internet. A lot of men are in the same situation as you trying to figure out what's normal and what's not. And I think it's because we all get so uncomfortable talking about this stuff, Mm -hmm. but this is all normal. You're fine. Don't Uh stress. Let's have a uh, another uh, uh, bathing suit area question. Okay. Uh, this one for the genotypically female. Okay. Uh, from Jessica, who says, thanks for the opportunity to ask some embarrassing questions. Here's mine. My right breast looks different from my left breast in terms of both size and shape. Apparently, this is more common than I originally thought, since most of my friends are working with lopsided boobs, too. Why does this happen? Is there anything that can make them more even aside from surgery? So first of all, this is incredibly normal. It is probably the default. The majority of women probably have uh, slightly asymmetrical boobs. Mm-hmm. So don't stress about it. Why does it happen? Eh, it just does. You know, breast tissue is not uniform. Um, if you ever felt, you know, if you've ever done a self-breast exam, if you felt your own breasts, uh, you'll notice that you can you can maybe feel some softer areas and some slightly firmer areas. And the breast tissue isn't all one thing. They're not like water balloons contrary to some popular culture beliefs uh they're a little bit different and so it's normal that they would be a little asymmetrical so don't worry about it don't lose sleep over it and i i really wouldn't do anything to try to change it it's the way you are it's the way most of us are and i will go ahead and share a pretty embarrassing story as long as we're all asking embarrassing questions Mm -hmm. after when i was 18 i went for my first examination Uh, Back when I was 18, we started getting pelvic and pap exams at 18. That's not true anymore. Uh, But I did, and I had my first breast exam, and I got through the whole thing, and I tried to be very adult about it. And then I sat down with my doctor for him to tell me how everything turned out. (laughs) And the first thing he said to me, the first words out of his mouth were, it's very normal for one breast to be larger than the other, don't worry. (laughs) Like literally the first thing the he said. The first thing he said to me oh when gosh. I was 18. So there you go. It's very normal. Don't stress about it. Em- embrace your boobs. I'm sure they're great. Uh, here's a question from Shelly. I work with... Ugh. I work with preschoolers <laughs> and consequently end up wiping copious amounts of snot. 
can you explain exactly what snot is made of and if there's anything you can deduce medically by the color, quantity, and or viscosity of snot because it seems to come in a wide array of all three. If I was doing this as a remote podcast, this is the point at which I would turn off my headphones and take a step out of the room because this is grody. But since I'm here with you, let's just do it. Okay. I'm gonna I I'm queasy too, but I think that this is funny and interesting and I'm gonna tell you about snot. Okay. Okay. So snot or mucus would be the word we'd use for it medically. Uh, mucus is secreted by uh, a lot of different um, surfaces, what we call mucosal surfaces in our body. And it, it usually has a, pre- or it always has a pretty important function. Specifically, if we're talking about our noses, uh, the mucus that is secreted is kind of this mixture. It's like sugar chains with proteins in them. Mm-hmm. And then it sucks up a lot of water too. So it's this big mishmash of stuff that is created to trap things. That's the main purpose of it. It's going to trap stuff. Uh, so when bacteria and viruses or any dirt, debris, any kind of organisms try to sneak their way up your nasal passages, there's a big old river of mucus. Just waiting. Just waiting for it. Uh, it's helped along by these little uh, cells called cilia, these little hair cells mm-hmm. that, that line I our nasal passages. And yeah, yeah another in other uh, areas of our body. And that can all capture things along with the snot. And it's very important to protect us. So snot's a really good thing. You need snot. Now, sometimes why is it thicker? Why is it thinner? Um, Part of that actually has to do with your hydration status. One thing I'll tell people if they're coming in and they're like, oh, I just feel so congested is are you drinking enough water? Um, So part of it is that. Part of it, of course, could be if you're sick or if your allergies are flaring up. You know, a lot of people will come in and their nose and they'll say their nose is running like a faucet and it's just this clear, constant drainage. Sometimes that can be allergies. Um, One common misconception is that if you see like yellow or green snot, it always is a bacterial infection. Not necessarily true. It could still be a virus. It could still be allergies. It could still be who knows, whatever. but if you don't see yellow or green, that also doesn't mean it's not a bacteria. You know what I mean? Yeah. We used to put a lot more stock in the color of snot than we do. It just has more to do with what's in there, with yep. exactly the composition of sugars and proteins and and what kind of debris it has caught that day. That makes um, sense. So in general, snot plays a very important function in your body. If you're worried about the color or amount of your snot, I would go check with a doctor. I would say, though, here's a reference point for you. Our noses make about a liter of snot a day. Wow. A so, liter of snot a day. So wait, if you're like, if we're, this is getting gross, I'm sorry. If if we're, you hear, uh, we talk about drainage sometimes, like mm-hmm. if you take an expectorant or, or it just drains, you know, whatever it drains, it drains into your stomach, right? If it's draining you, down the back of your throat, then you're probably swallowing that. Aren't you just getting the germs that you're supposed to get protected from at that nah, point? Nah, it's Okay. We all, we, it's normal. Our bodies are designed to swallow a lot of snot. So, which is why, while I would certainly never, I don't understand exactly. And there's a lot of research into this, actually, the phenomenon of kids eating boogers. Uh-huh. I don't really understand that phenomenon. There's some thought that maybe it's protective because we need to like expose ourselves to things in order to get well, immunity to them. Either way, it's probably not harmful because we're swallowing lots of snot every day anyway. Wow. I have a question from Joanne, just a quick follow-up. Does stomach acid kill anything gross if my kid eats snot or scabs? Their own, not their equally gross toddler friends. 
Um, again, your body has many, many lines of defense. Whatever stomach acid can't take care of, uh, you have lots of ways of uh, dealing with harmful invaders. And so for the most part, when it comes to eating like scabs and boogers and stuff, it's probably okay. I mean, again, I'm not advising that. I'm not saying like, so go nuts, go eat all of the gross things that are hanging off of your body at any given time. <laughs> Why is that your impulse? I, I, I don't know. Why do you want to eat them? I don't know. Why are you talking to me? <laughs> that was the imaginary person who was dying to eat all of the imaginary things hanging off their body. Uh, but no, it's. I think if your kids are occasionally doing that, they're probably along with all the other kids who are occasionally doing that. And um, luckily, our bodies are really hardy. Um, do you get? Do you like answer questions like this, or do you find it like, oh man, you just really don't know anything? Like, like you have to step down to the commoners. Level. No, I love like I love answering questions like this. Not my, just not mine, or do you like answering mine, or do I? Ask, I like ask, answering yours. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay, good. I want to make sure because I know I ask a lot. No, I love answering these kinds of questions. Travis asks more than me when he's in town, though. He asks a lot. He like does. That. He texts me too. Yeah, just yeah. To not not like he's worried. Just like he would like some clarification, please. I get texts from a lot of members of our family with various medical questions. No, I love these kinds of questions. It actually is why I take so long with patients is because most people have a question or two like this and I can't help myself. I love the chance to maybe teach a little bit. Uh, you know, that's what maximumfun.org is all about. Teaching, having fun, learning, <laughs> growing, loving, maybe sometimes. You find finding it, new friends. Finding new friends, uh, reinforcing the old friendships with a shared love of podcasts. Uh, Maximum Fun is is a really great place, and it's a very welcoming place, and it's a place where uh, we've been uh, really, really happy for the past few years, and uh, we hope that you'll join with us in supporting it. Um, your donation goes to help uh, fund this network and keep people making cool shows, uh, and, and also it helps the shows themselves. It helps us to pay for equipment like our we're using new microphones that we got so the show would sound better for you and um that is thanks to donors uh we're able to do live shows and and take tours and stuff because people donate to the show um i and mean we're able to expand the family of shows mm -hmm. for us quite literally the family of shows that we uh that we provide for you so i mean the the thing about it is 10 years ago shows like ours wouldn't and a network arc like ours it wouldn't exist 20 years ago let's say it's probably more accurate uh because we didn't have internet in the way that we do now and you you had to rely on other people to sort of dictate what your entertainment would be and now we have these specialized channels where you can order up like exactly what you want and it helps us to make things that are very personal to us and very specific for you it's targeted so you specifically at home will like it not so a big group of people well, you know, can sit down and zone out in front of it. It's for you. We make it for you. And we're only able to do that because you're able to pay directly for the stuff and we're able to send it directly to you. It is a wonder of living in our modern era, which is, you know, caused quite a few other sacrifices. So let's embrace the positives <laughs> where we find them. Uh, and, and now you get a chance to do that. You get a chance to say, hey, I love this and I want there to be more stuff like it and I want to show that I love it. And you can do that right now by going to MaximumFun.org forward slash donate even if you can pledge $5 a month, that means the world. Of course, you know, $10 a month, $20 a month, 35 secret Blondie level 50. Um, all of that is is wonderful and amazing, um, but it, it would really mean the world to us if you just 
make your make your voice heard with money, uh, which is a slogan we're testing out for the drive. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you can also uh, feel free uh, to share that link with your friends or family or anybody else you know you know just everybody yeah yeah if you can't kick in everybody at the office. money or if you do and you want to brag about it share that link all around to talk about this you know over the during the drive talk we've heard so many people talk about how much the network and the shows mean to them and it it really it's very touching so if you if you want to do that and help spread the word that is amazing too just to tease you one more thing it, it that bonus content which you get for just five bucks a month if you go to last year's it's a commentary track from me and sydney uh to play during the last episode of two and a half men that you can just watch them simultaneously. <laughs> it's like a uh, dark side of the moon. They line up perfectly and, uh, and you can uh, uh, listen to that. And you'll uh, understand the show. And I think me and Justin, in a whole maybe, new way. maybe a little bit by yourself yeah. too. So maximum fund at for slash donate. Uh, got a couple more questions for you, Sydney. If you're, okay. if you're prepared, I'm ready. Uh, a couple of baby questions. Okay. Uh, first one is from Brad. My infant daughter has an umbilical hernia. I can pop it back in and feel stuff gurgling inside, but it pops right back out again. Supposedly the abdominal wall will close up over its own over time, but how is it supposed to do that when part of her insides are still outside? It seems like it would be tying off a balloon and that you'd need to push it in and tape it down to allow it to close up <laughs> properly. That's from Brad. Uh, I can understand why it would seem that way. And you're actually, to give you a little bit of history on it, people used to commonly try to do that because that's what a lot of people thought was, well, obviously it is going to close up, but we need to keep it down inside while it does. So it was actually pretty common for people to try to tape quarters or some other kind of coin over top. A quarter just seems to be the right, about the right size over top of an umbilical hernia. You would see that a lot. Uh, I have been told by my colleagues that they still see that from time to time. I have not. Uh, but that used to be very commonplace. Your doctor would say, I ah, just tape a quarter over it and it'll go away. Now we don't really do that. It's not good for the skin to always be covered by something. That's not good for skin health. Mm -hmm. And what we found is that as, so an umbilical hernia, do you know what that is, nope. Justin, by the nope. way? Let me clarify here. Okay. So we kind of know the idea of a hernia. It's like, do we? There's the, Who's okay. way? So a hernia. <laughs> A hernia is basically when there's a defect somewhere in a muscle. It's like weak or the fibers are a little bit separated. And as a result, stuff that should be underneath the muscle pokes through the muscle. And that could be a little bit of fat, that like mesenteric fat, which is a kind of fat that lines our intestines, or it could be intestines themselves. And you can get hernias different places. When we're talking about an umbilical hernia, we're talking about a hernia right over your belly button. And these actually aren't that uncommon with babies. We see these not, not infrequently. Um, and for the most part, they just resolve on their own. You don't need to tape anything over them. You don't need to push them down in there. I mean, it's good to check to make sure it's still what we call reducible, that it still can be poked down in there mm -hmm. and, and that it's not trapped because that would be a bad thing. That's true for any hernia. Um, but what happens is as the abdominal muscles close, so too does that lining over top of it start to retract down and it all just kind of flattens out. So it should take care of itself beautifully. Usually these things are still monitored by your doctor, mm -hmm. you know, so they're checked on periodically to make sure. And there is an age limit where we start to go, well, maybe, we, maybe we're a little worried about this, but for the most so part, mine. well, my personal umbilical hernia it's not closed over and this is a point at 35 years old where you may be a little start to get concerned right 
Yes, at 35, I would start to get concerned. Although, at the, at the same time, as long as it's still reducible, you're probably still fine. Oh, good. Still okay. okay. Good. Imagine my relief. My dad has an umbilical hernia. Does he? Yeah. Wow. I mean, he didn't have one from birth. He got one later on in life. Okay. And it's fine. I mean, it's really, as long as you can poke it back in there, it's fine. I wouldn't stress about it. I see these. This is actually one of the, it was one of the first things I saw when I was right out of uh, med school and in residency. And it was such a relief because I felt like such a, I got this moment. Like, oh, this is okay. <laughs> I know that this is okay. I can make these parents feel good. This baby's going to be okay. Everybody's going to feel really good about this situation. It was a really wonderful moment for me to be able to say, yes, <laughs> Just this once, fine. everybody lives. Um, <laughs> everything's fine. Uh, got another question from Amanda. I'm giving birth in approximately 4.5 weeks. That's four and a half for you not down with the uh, the decimal stuff. <laughs> do I really need to watch a birth video beforehand? I very much do not want <laughs> I mean, Amanda, if you're looking for a moment to get comfortable with this whole concept, like this seems like a pretty good time. <laughs> it's uh, it's a better time than four and a half weeks from now. Certainly. Or four and six tenths of a week from now, 4.6 weeks. That would be a very bad time. I will say that in general, and I think Justin, you could actually answer a little bit about this too, because I, while you have not given birth, you went through the process with me. Mm -hmm. The more you know going in, the easier I think the experience is because you understand all the things that usually happen. And then you can also start to understand some of the things that sometimes happen. And it helps you. I think knowledge is power. The more you understand going into your birth, the better you're going to be able to cope with any deviation from what your expectations are. Yeah. I, I very much struggled with the sense before we ate birth, like certainly at some point an adult is going to come tell me like, a that I can't or be like exactly what to do. Um, and it's a really, I, I think it's a, it, you know, it was a big moment in my maturing where I realized like, Nope, you kind of have to figure it out on your own. And I think taking the classes that we did, um, were very, for nothing else, they gave me a real sense of confidence mm -hmm. about what we were doing. And it made it naturalized birth for me in a way that like was very helpful because it, it made me realize like, Oh, like, lots of people go through this and uh it, it wasn't something that i need to be as freaked out about i think that's very true and i think that what you just said justin naturalizing birth is a really important thing uh for us to do and and you know if we look back historically you're you know there was a time where probably the the female members of your or or i should say the people who have had children before uh, in your family or among your your kind of group, your you know as we go even further back in your village, uh, would help a younger person through this process. You wouldn't have to you wouldn't have a video, but they would describe it to them, answer all their questions, and be able to walk them through. But birth, especially in this country, has changed so much over time. We've done so much to the process to kind of medicalize it, and then also it's different. It's just different. There are lots of different things that are going to happen than what your body is going to just know and feel. Yeah. So don't take for granted that you'll just understand everything as it's happening. Even as a physician who should understand this intimately just from my training, going through classes ahead of time, watching birth videos, watching different birth scenarios, you mm -hmm. know, because that's what one thing I did is I watched different scenarios. I wanted to, I mean, I'd seen C-sections and I'd seen vaginal births and, and I'd seen, seen alien when the 
pops up face out. That is not a birth. I wouldn't call that a birth. No, agree to disagree. Um, And I'd seen I'd seen births with medication. I'd seen births without medication. And I think all of that was very important so that when I walked in to the hospital on the day that Charlie was born, I, I knew at least what to expect. And when things didn't go as we expected, at least I understood what and why and how and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I uh, got one more question from Amy who asks, and I have no idea. So I'm glad you're answering this. How does a person go about finding a doctor? Like if I don't have a primary care physician, how do I get one? Do I need to research different doctors? How do I know if they'll take my insurance? Is there anything I should be wary of or watch out for? This is a great question. Thanks. And, yes. And I have found that uh, I get this question a lot, actually. From friends and family, how you go not from patients? I would hope. No, <laughs> listen, this has been great and all, but how do I find a different? Doctor? How do I find a different doctor? <laughs> no, not typically. So, what I would say is there there are a couple things you need to know. First of all, Justin, so that I understand from point of reference, if I say you need to find a primary care provider, a primary care doctor, what what do you think I mean? I mean, I'm already too deep in Sid. I, I, I don't know. It's hard to say. Okay. I, I know you usually say a PCP, which used to freak me out, but now I like, yeah, I don't mean, mean angel dust. I mean, uh, a doctor. I, I know we're talking about a family care doctor, which is a, a, a what? Like, how would you describe a family, family doctor? Sure. So let's start with, there are different kinds of primary care doctors. We'll start with a family doctors because I am one and I am openly biased and I will go ahead and say that to family doctors because I am one. Uh, so, uh, if you, if you want to find a doctor, I'd start with one of the following. Family doctors are doctors who, you know, we all went to some sort of medical school. We all uh, finished that school and got a degree. Hopefully, we should have. Um, all doctors an, or all family doctors? All doctors. Okay, got it. Whether that be an MD or a DO. Uh, at that point, we attended, if you're a family doctor, you attended a three-year family practice residency somewhere and hopefully completed that. I myself am boarded in family medicine and you'll find that that is more and more common these days. That used to not be so common, but most doctors I think are seeking board certification because you ha- a lot of hospitals require that honestly. So which means I passed a test and I do a lot of stuff every year to maintain that certification. It's actually really difficult these days. So a family doctor can see pretty much everybody. Uh, that means that I see babies, newborns, all the way up to the geriatric population, um, and everybody in between, men, women. I provide uh, women's health. There are family doctors who do OB care, um, all that stuff, procedures, everything, basically. And we can also be referral centers for you. So if you do have a problem that necessitates some sort of specialist, we can refer you there. We'll do your health maintenance. We'll get your immunizations taken care of tell you when you need your colonoscopy, all that good stuff. So that's one option for you. There are other primary care doctors that you can also look for. One would be an internal medicine specialist, a general internist. So a lot of internal medicine specialists will branch out into subspecialties. So you would look for a general internist to start with. Mm -hmm. General internists can do um, basically all the stuff I talked about for adults. Okay. So they don't see kids. Uh, You can also... Obviously, if you are a child or you are, <laughs> hopefully if you're a child, like go tell your parents to get you a doctor. If you're like blank check, and you're <laughs> out on your own. This is how you get a doctor. But if you're a child uh, or if you have a child and you're looking for a doctor for them, you can see a family doctor. You could also see a pediatrician, obviously, who again can do all the stuff I just said, except only for kids. Um, I would also just throw in there real quick uh, in the primary care family, our obstetrician gynecologists, so BGYNs, even though 
technically they're only doing a certain part of, you know, part of healthcare. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're dealing with delivering babies and taking care of women's health and gynecologic problems. Um, they tend to provide a lot of primary care just because sometimes, you know, women will choose to only go see OBGYNs for a period of their life and not see another kind of primary care doctor. Okay. So I think they're part of our family. Um, so these are the doctors you should start with. So one of I, the above. How do I find the right one for me? One thing you want to consider is who your insurance is going to cover. Unfortunately, that's just a really practical consideration you need to know. Uh, usually that information is available online. You're looking for your network. Mm-hmm. What doctors are in my network? Yeah, look, go go to wherever you do your insurance management online and they'll have a, a search usually for mm-hmm. who's in your, in, your, in your network. And you can usually search by specialty. So if you're looking for like a family doctor, you can just look. And more and more insurance companies are actually requiring that you get a primary care doctor mm. to manage your health maintenance and all this stuff. Or they'll actually, um, you have to pay a fine with some insurance companies in the future if you don't. So, so it's a good reason to get one. Um, that's number one is to, you know, you want it to get covered, obviously. Um, number two, what I would look for is somebody close to you. I do think that distance is an important factor in this thing. You Not want... emotionally close. No, no, not emotionally close, actually. And certainly not uh, familially close. Not someone you're related to. Uh, you want somebody that you can get to in a pinch if you're sick that you can go see. So I never think it's very practical to have a primary care doctor that's two hours away. <coughs> If you have closer options, uh, the other thing I would say, the other consideration is just because they're a doctor that's listed as they're in your network and they're close to you doesn't necessarily mean you're going to click with them, you know, because it's a very personal thing, finding mm-hmm. a primary care doctor, somebody that you get along with. So I'll see this happen a lot, like on Facebook, I'll see people kind of crowdsourcing, hey, I'm looking for a doctor. Are there any good ones in this area? And I see tons of responses. I think that's one good way to kind of feel out your friends and family. Do they have a good doctor? Ask around for people that you know. Who do you see? You know, a lot of times your friends and family are seeing doctors that they love and they can give you those names and you can go see them too. Um, So I would ask. What about doctors that you like? I hear sometimes like you can't get in with them or like they're too busy. Is that a thing? Or like you can't get on with new people or... So sometimes a doctor will have so many patients that they're taking care of that they'll have to stop taking new patients, which basically means they can't because you have to see patients. You know, we, we need to see patients periodically for follow up visits. Imagine if you're continuing to add more and more new patients. Eventually, you'd be scheduling like people see, out for years. You can see X number of people per day. Mm-hmm. Those people need to be cycled back in X number of times per year. And eventually the mask just fills up. Exactly. So so sometimes that you run into that. But usually if a physician's it, office does tell you that, they can tell you about a provider nearby who maybe isn't. The good yeah. news there, though, is if they don't have a lot of spots open up, that means they're keeping all those people alive. So that's great. If they got a lot of, if they're <laughs> like, oh, we just got a new opening in today, that's a doctor you got to be worried about. And <laughs> that's a good point. I th- I think. Um, and it is it is uh, very common too. I know it's definitely in our office where even providers who maybe already have all the patients in their panel of patients that they can sustain. Um, if it's a family member of a patient, we usually make exceptions for that. So if it is somebody that one of your relatives has seen and you'd kind of like to go, like the whole family be able to go to the same doctor, that's a very common thing for me to see mom, dad, kids, grandparents, aunts, uncles, everybody. Mm-hmm. If you're in that situation, um, let them know because they may make an exception for that too. But I would ask people you love and trust to, what doctors they see first. I would put little stock in a lot of those ratings websites. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're all out there and you're welcome to search them and they'll just tell you, you know, based on patient reviews, what are the good doctors in your area? But I'd be really careful about that because, uh, I mean, people who are dissatisfied are much more likely, I well, have found. anything, right? Like, not just doctors, any, it's just, you know, yeah, if you're... Yeah, just anything, yeah. If you had a bad experience, you're a lot more likely to leave a bad review. Exactly. And and even if you even if you see a lot of good reviews, again, just be just from my own little searching, not even myself, just providers in my area, it doesn't necessarily mean that this is the best doctor in the world or the best doctor for you. Maybe they're just tossing out junk like candy. And <laughs> you, it's like five stars. I, I didn't love say it. that. All you never know. <laughs> perkies, those Danos, those it, flip flips. I love them. It, all of them. It's five very, stars. <laughs> it's very much about a fit. You've got to find the right doctor for you. Um, ask around, ask people, ask people who have your same, uh, also like your same feeling about healthcare, you know, like, do you like to ch- talk to your doctor forever? Cause if you do, maybe I'm the right doctor for you. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe please, I like my wife to come home. Please don't go to her. Please. I beg of you. Uh, that's going to do it for us on this very special episode. One more plea. Um, if you, if you like Sawbones, if you want to help us make Sawbones and be part of the Sawbones team. Go to MaximumFun.org and click Donate. Uh, If you do $5 a month, you get those uh, bonus episodes. For $10 a month, you get a cool handkerchief or or bandana. Uh, I'm not sure technically which which is which, but uh, a bandana sounds much cooler. cooler. And they do look really cool. There's individual designs for every podcast, Um, and you should get ours because it talks about plenty on there. Um, There's the Adventure Kit that has hot cocoa, toilet paper, and multi-tool and uh, the paracord bracelet for $20 a month. And uh, if you can kick in $35 a month, we're going to thank you with all that stuff plus a uh, cool thermos. So uh, more than that, though, you're helping to make good stuff and you're, you're going to fill the world with, uh, with, with more good stuff. That's something you can do right now, right this second. Go to MaximumFun.org and click on Donate. Um, we'll have one more Max Fun Drive episode. I got to say this has been fun. I, I would like to do this again. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Well, I'll tell you what. If you got you know. questions like this, email them to us. Sawbones at MaximumFun.org. If we get enough good ones, maybe we can uh, maybe we can uh, do another one next week. Yeah, again, we're not going to diagnose or treat anything. But nope. if you got some weird little questions, um, you know, Justin, the root of the word doctor actually comes from the word for teacher. So I did not know that. This is kind of like right there in my wheelhouse. Perfect. Um, well, folks, that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much. That, ad- that uh, address one more time is MaximumFun.org. Thank you for listening. Thank you. If you've already donated, seriously, we cannot thank you enough. It has changed our life demonstrably, and it is all thanks to you. Yeah, and Charlie thanks you, too. Yeah. She loves having her mommy around a little bit more. So thank you, bless you, uh, and 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 take care of yourselves. And again, if you can't give, that's okay, too. That's 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 life. We we get it. But if you can, it means a lot. Maximumfund.org for slash donate. So until next week, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.